Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. You know, if, if we want to, uh, you know, keep Rockford vibrant, it's through the arts and culture that you do that. And that's such an important part. And I think for the longest time, we didn't understand that. I still think a lot of our civic leaders don't get that either. I think uh, they think it's, it's about taxes and about uh, potholes and those kinds of things. And infrastructure and all that is very important. We aren't saying that, but that's not the only thing. I'm Scott Yates, multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. And that's my guest today, Doc Slavkovsky, co-owner and operator of J.R. Cortman Center for Design and the Cortman Gallery. Keen listeners of this show will notice that I normally chat with makers of art in Rockford. But today I've invited Doc, the gallery owner, for his perspective on the Rockford art scene. Doc and co-owner Jerry Cortman opened the shop and the second floor gallery on North Main Street in downtown Rockford in November of 1986. While Jerry focuses mainly on the day-to-day operations of the shop, Doc travels frequently to international destinations, and he uses the trips to find objects for the store and artists for the gallery. To this day, the shop offers decorations and home gadgets of Rockford memorabilia and other objects with an international flair. Doc has witnessed a generation of creatives transform the city and has had many of them show and sell their work at the Cortman Gallery. His passion for the arts and for Rockford comes through in his storytelling. Doc was kind enough to visit the Register Star newsroom for this podcast right after a long trip in Rome. Let's drop in on our conversation now. It's great to be here, especially in this beautiful historic building. Really, it's cool. We have something in common. Speaking of architecture, you are the owner and operator of the Cortman Gallery on North Main Street here in downtown. And that building itself was uh, designed by the same architect as this Register Star News Tower. That's correct, Jesse Barloga, and he is uh, one of our uh, historic architects who's been celebrated beyond Rockford, and uh, he he actually had a house that was a model home in the 1939 World's Fair. That was one of his claim to fames, but he's done homes in Churchill's Grove and Brown Hills. He also did the, the Rockford Theater at the Women's Club on uh, North Church Street, 
And then, of course, our building, which is J.R. Cortman Center for Design, and the Cortman Gallery is on the second floor. And, you know, just like this building, it's very well built. As a matter of fact, when we first bought the building, we had a building inspector come in and say, if there's ever a nuclear war, I want to remember this building because it's, you know, the, the walls are 14 inches thick and there's steel girders that are like eight inches apart. So the building is built very, very well. And it's actually in some ways one of the reasons why we are still in business to this day because we have not had a lot of expenses in that area. And, uh, you know, we own the building, so we don't have the rent. And so we can survive sometimes the slower months because, you know, when you are in business and you're, if you're located in a mall or whatever and you pay ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 a month rent, things slow down, you get behind right away. But when you own the building and there again, the building is, uh, you know, so well built that we haven't had any really, you know, issues with maintenance on it. So it's some, you know, we put a new roof on it when we first bought it, but and added new windows, but otherwise, and it's also an historic landmark downtown, so uh, that's, uh, it's protected, hopefully. <laughs> uh, keen listeners of this show will know that uh, heretofore we've had artists and makers on the podcast called Meet the Artist. This is also a little different this time with you, Doc, because um, you are more of a supporter and a, a, a part of the infrastructure in getting the artists work out to the general public with your gallery. So this is a, a unique opportunity for us to learn what you're looking for in artists and your style and your, your feel, uh, your aesthetic that you're looking for, for, uh, bringing art into your gallery and design center. Um, I'll just throw it out there. What do you hope to accomplish with your gallery? Well, I, when we started the gallery back in 1985 or 80, well, actually 86, we bought the building in 85, we opened in 86, and the idea was to provide a forum for artists because, you know, it, it, it's art needs to be seen. And, you know, because if you're a creative person and you're just working out of a studio or in your basement or something, there isn't. Uh, we don't really see it. I mean, art is part of communication. So we provide a forum for uh, the artists to communicate through their, their, their work. And I mean, the great thing about it is they make us look good because there's a lot of great talent out there. And that was the other thing that we noticed because back in the eighties that there was a, a lot of young creative people around and there was really nowhere to show their work. And as a matter of fact, the only forum for showing work back in those days was the Greenwich Village Art Fair. And if you weren't a part of that, uh, you know, your work didn't get seen. And uh, so that, that was an important aspect. The gallery actually opened up as Cafe Esperanto. It was the Cortman Gallery in the cafe. And we did espresso and cappuccino. Plus, we had a liquor license so we could do, you know, we said coffee, cocktails, and art was kind of our, our little tagline there. And it was uh, it, it was a, a place also for people to gather. And that the you could go into a gallery and look at art and you didn't have to whisper. Because sometimes there's that, that kind of thing, well, like when you go into a gallery space that you have to whisper. and Like you you're going to hurt the earballs right. of the paintings on the wall or something like right. that. And also, it's it, not the case at your right. place. And it also made the art so much more accessible and that 
you had time to sit and enjoy it because a, a lot of times too, even to this day, if you go to a museum, you kind of pass by it and you see it. But when you're in an environment, you can sit there. And actually, even though the cafe is is gone, we still have our liquor license and we do open the bar that we have upstairs during art events when we have them. But uh, but we still keep tables and chairs up there and we have Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi. So if people want to come up and just sit and you know look at the art and think about it. You know, it it, it helps people. I think. Uh, kind of digest a little bit more about what they're seeing, you know. And it also provides a, a learning experience, too, for people who visit the gallery. So yeah, that's been an important part. But the art world has changed a lot since those days and, and actually prior to those days, too, from when uh, there was a time in Rockford where art was pretty exclusive. It was uh, and actually our art museum was where the original building of the Burpee Natural History Museum was. It was called the Burpee Art Museum. And so it belonged to the Burpee family. They donated it to the Rockford Art Association. And I remember you would open the door, the front door, and you would sort of creak through uh, across the floors. And it, it wasn't a real welcoming environment. Uh, and it was also uh, had sort of an exclusivity to it that I think people used to, uh, I think, uh, not appreciate. Uh, but and that's what we also tried to do is make art much more accessible to more uh, more people than uh, are you bringing in certain kinds of arts or artists to achieve that goal well you know that's a good question and that's a difficult thing to explain because uh, uh, it's I, I can't tell somebody what it is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know that old expression, I don't know what it is, but I know it when I see it. Actually, you say that about pornography, but I can sort of say that about art, you know, and and because, I, you know, sometimes people say, how, how in the world do you get to show in the gallery? And I mean, the other thing too, as curators and owners of a gallery, you know, the, the, one of the advantages you have is that you show whatever you want. I mean, you, there is the criteria is what's, you know, in your mind, mind and in your heart and what, what we decide we want to show. But we also feel that it is important for people to see this. And we also look at pieces like, would I buy that? Would I want it? Because the other thing that I, I don't want people to lose track or sight of is that we are a sales gallery. I mean, we make our living off of selling art. And art is a commodity and it needs to be sold because sometimes artists will come to us and say, I want to, you know, show this work, but I, I don't want to sell it. It's not for sale. It's like, well, Really? There's an artist out there that doesn't want yeah, to sell their work? Well, they'll do this with maybe half the show or something, and it's like, it's an interesting phenomenon, but because we always say, uh, you know, we are here, we're not a museum. You know, a museum is one place to go look at art, and there's nothing wrong with that, and it's great. And we have a really good museum here now, too, compared to what it was back in the old days. The Rockford Art Museum is, is doing a lot of good stuff. and um, But it's just that uh, people um, are sort of don't quite get what that is that they don't want to sell it. I don't know. I think it has to do with the fact that they feel they've put so much time into it. They become attached to their own work and therefore don't want to give it. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. As a photographer myself who is in love with making uh, beautiful work, I fall in love with a piece that I've uh, photographed uh, or a photograph that I've taken. And sometimes I think that's just the best thing that ever was. And it needs to be blown up on uh, six columns across the newspaper and online and go viral. Um, when I step back and really analyze it and, and, and apply the fundamentals of, of art and technique, sometimes my favorite uh, photograph of the day doesn't actually uh, pass muster in that sense. And, and that's my analytical side of my brain coming in uh, where I, I need to not fall in love with certain babies uh, and need to let them go. Um, if it's not going to be well, the best possible work to to the general public who who needs to see that particular piece, exactly. And at the same time, um, I will say this: our only goal is not just to sell. I mean, like I say, we will show an artist. Sometimes we'll say, you know, I don't know how well uh, this will sell, but it's important that people see it. And uh, and sometimes too, it can be uh, an encouragement to the artist. To help them move on uh, because you know the art comes from the Greek word art artis which means to work you know so art means to work and and a lot of times two people will come with us with art and they maybe have three pieces and we really need a body of work someone who has a body of work and has some kind of direction or uh, you know some meaning to what they're doing it's not just a matter of you know I, I can I can draw or I can paint and there's nothing wrong with that and it's great that people can do that but um, there is a distinction between illustration and, and fine art, and, uh, uh, and there again, that is debatable, but we have our opinions on that, and, you know, it's just kind of like when we go to New York to the trade shows, they always say, well, you know, like, what do you sell in your store, or what do you show in your gallery, and our response is, I guess, whatever we want, because, you know, when, when you're in business for yourself, you know, they say you're your own boss, but really, everybody's your boss, you know, you have to deal with you know the entire you know environment around you but uh and you have to deal with bills paying bills i mean you change light bulbs you clean toilets you do everything but one of the advantages you're putting, you're putting the operator in the owner operator model of your gallery right you 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 do everything but you hang the shows you know you take them down you ship things but the nicest uh, thing is is the, uh, the biggest advantage of having it is that you can it's it's your decision it's it's what you do and sometimes it doesn't always work well know, speaking of um, speaking of things that don't always work, embracing failure in the creative process, and speaking of um, of trying to attract uh, audiences to the gallery, and, uh, and and speaking to the choice of art that you bring into your gallery, I want to bring up a, a, a specific case example, and also a shout out to a previous podcast guest and his upcoming show at the gallery, Steve Knopfsinger, an artist and maker, um, is uh, getting ready for an upcoming show at the gallery, I believe in mid-July. The 12th, I think, is the opening. There we go. Uh So opening the 12th of July at the Cortman Gallery, Steve Knopfsinger, he's a cutting-edge artist employing uh, the bleeding edge of technology to make beautiful things. I'm speaking directly to his 3D printing and glow-in-the-dark gizmos. Um, He's got a a pretty um, interesting show in the works, according to our conversation last week. 
Um, we're, we're, how, do, how does uh, someone like Steve Knopfsinger fit into your catalog of artists and art that you are showcasing? Well, like one thing is, is that we don't just show photography or just painting or just, you know, we try and be, uh, show all different forms of, of media because uh, that's what's so interesting about art is that it can take on so many different forms and, uh, and how, how we see the world around us. If we, I think if we, art, the artist points that out to us, you know, I, I mean, it's, sometimes it's, it's like uh, an artist, uh, you know, create something, but it's our job to kind of also, I should say, to point it out and to to kind of uh, showcase it. Uh, it's it's like uh, I don't know, like you put something on a pedestal, and you know, does it become art? I mean, we look at Andy Warhol, like took a soup can, and you know, kind of almost changed the way we view the world, let alone the arts, uh, just by kind of immortalizing, you know, an everyday kind of object that you see in a supermarket or that you might have in your cupboard at home. Well, I think the definition of a successful piece of art is what uh, is whether or not it creates uh, a response in the viewers, and whether it's a soup can or the most. Um, beautiful awe-inspiring colors on a canvas if it creates an uh, a response in the in the viewers then it has succeeded that's kind of a definition of art that i have well, exactly. a- assumed and th- and there again that's what's interesting about art is is that we could sit here and we could talk for the next hour about what is art and what you think it is and it isn't that's what i sort of like about it that that aspect of it because it's also a great sort of um um, a, a, a social means of getting to know somebody because you know because that's what we always say I, we've always said to people you know if you're going to go out on a date your first date or something take someone to an art show or take them to the art museum because you know there's something more you can talk about than what's your sign and you'll learn a lot about somebody by how they react to art whether they like it or not or whatever and and there's also there's kind of like no right or wrong in a way, there is no right or wrong about it, and that's that's what I, I think is kind of interesting. But I met Steve Knopfsinger at actually there was a, an art event at a motel out on Eleventh Street. It was great. It was. It was <laughs> You're now the third guest who has brought up that motel show. It was, and it was just a great I idea. I am so sorry that I missed that because that must have been mind blowing for so many people to to remember it and bring it up time and again. Well, one of the memorable things about it is it was like about ninety degrees out at night, so it was really hot and uh but they had all the they had rented so many rooms of this motel and they just had the doors open and you could go in some of them were kind of just art lying on the bed i mean it wasn't like it wasn't real structured it was just kind of there but it was just it had a spontaneity to it that was great and 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 steve's work fit in there so well just because uh it it's it's a different look, you know. It isn't painting, and it isn't sculpture in the sense of uh, of mo- modeling clay or whatever. But Steve, what's interesting about it is he's got that, but he's working with a machine, you know, that sort of creates it. But it's and actually, I'm learning a lot about 3D printing that there's a lot more hands-on to it than we would imagine. I mean, you always think, you know, you put something in the machine and it comes out, and there it is. But there's really a lot more to it than that, which I, I'm learning from. But we're just excited to be able to present, because we've never done this before, shown 3D printing. And and it, it sounds so kind of 
um, you know, sort of technical or something. But he's taken it to a different level and has made it sort of a creative endeavor. And it's kind of fun. Actually, right now in the store, we sell miniature Rockmen, the, the Guardians of the Rock, which is done by uh, 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 Teresa Agnew uh, along the Rock River. And it's a, you know, beloved sculpture. And we're actually concerned about it because it's it's not being well cared for and some of the plumes have gone off of it and things are, are starting to come apart on it. And it's a, it's an important piece of art because it's, it's one of those things that I think it, it brings a lot of smile, but it has this kind of relationship with it, with its, its location and all that. It's a great thing. So it, it talk about location, location, location. It's right there on the bike trail in the, in between the bike trail and the water of the rock river. I don't know how many hundreds of people must pass that, Every day, if not every week, uh, just uh, walking and recreating along the Mississippi Park there. Um, talk about a, a very visual and visible piece of public artwork that Steve has kind of taken up the mantle for. And it sounds like now you are also providing support for uh, um, uh, bringing awareness uh, to, to that particular art. Well, it's interesting, too, because he's like rethinking it or translating it in for all intents and purposes, plastic, you know, and this is, and this is a very sort of organic, you know, made from river stones, you know, so this idea of kind of translating it that way, and then also miniaturizing it, and there again, kind of making it accessible, that's something that you can buy and put in your home, you know, so I, I mean, I like that, sometimes this idea of mass producing something or being able to do that is, has a, you know, an interesting aspect to it. So you're not artists yourself, but you are certainly art experts. You have an interesting side of your your life where you travel a lot and you uh, uh, purposefully expose yourself to different viewpoints uh, internationally and bring those flavors back to Rockford. Can you explain that for our listeners a little bit? I don't want to put words in your mouth here. Well, it's... It's an interesting thing because I do have the advantage of having uh, being accessibility to stuff from all around the world. And I make it a point to do that when I go somewhere is to see what they're doing uh, in the arts. And and also just the other thing I'm intrigued by, this might sound kind of funny, but I'm I'm intrigued by art spaces about, uh, you know, the. There was a real game changer back in the 70s, and that was the Pompidou Center in Paris. And it was designed by, designed by Richard Rogers and, and Renzo Piano. And that changed the whole experience of going to an art museum, where the museum itself became part of the experience. Museums always had that quality, but they were usually, like, for instance, the Met in New York or the Art Institute in Chicago, the big columns in the front, and, you know, going into something that was very kind of grand and institutionalized and almost mausoleum-like because uh, museums were had this kind of sort of preservation aspect to them. You know, you're preserving the art and you're kind of protecting it and showing it, which is nothing wrong with that, but... Uh, kind of has a more clinical feel than a, an artsy experience. Right. And But now that has all changed. And like I say, the, 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 the what changed most was Renzo Piano and Richard Rogers' design of the Pompidou in, in Paris, which is in the Beaubourg part of, of, of France and or of Paris. It's actually the National Museum of Modern Art for France, not the P- Paris Museum of Modern Art. That's in another location, but. Um, 
you know, that, if, if people are not familiar with it, it's, it's one of the buildings that it looks like the outside or the inside is out or whatever. You can, it's the exposed tubes and, and, and pipes and things that are actually on the outside of the building. And the inside of the building is actually a little bit more conventional space. But to get to the museum, you actually have to work your way to the top level of the museum and then you work your way down. And the top level is done with a series of uh, uh, fiberglass tube, clear glass fiberglass tube uh, escalator chutes. That, and as you go up, the building, you, you become more a part of the building uh, and you also become more a part of the city. The city all of a sudden is, you know, unfolds before you. And when you get to the very top, there's Paris and then this wonderful art space. And there's a restaurant on the top called Georges. That sounds remarkably similar to the beginnings of your gallery on Main Street with a a, a, a cafe at the top. And... Well, yeah, and a stairway. I mean, there again, we like this thing that there's a, there's an experience about getting to see the art that makes it a little bit more memorable and and you know just a little more exciting. But uh, when we decided to open up our gallery, we took that in mind. The, another example would be the Calatrava in Milwaukee, and you know just this whole idea of changing the way we see art and also repurpose buildings. I mean, there's a place in Madrid called Montadero, which was an old slaughterhouse that's now sort of an alternative art space. The Sant Cat, which is an, uh, an old funerary, that abandoned building in, in Paris that is now an alternative art space. Uh, there's an area called uh, 798, which is a, the art zone in uh, Beijing, and it was all abandoned factories like uh, machine tool factories actually like we have in Rockford and they are have been repurposed into gallery spaces and and restaurants and and uh, uh, boutiques and things but it's mostly uh, galleries and even galleries from like Pace Gallery has a has a location there but they're left in this kind of raw sort of space so you still get a sense of place and you know what was there prior to the, the art coming in but they're exciting things and the thing that intrigues me about that is that Rockford has a lot of that property here, you know, and we kind of ignore it, you know, for the most part. That's an interesting point. That brings uh, up my next uh, and final phase of this conversation where we talk about the future of art in Rockford. And you've already talked about how other uh Places are repurposing their old buildings to facilitate uh, the next uh, generation of artists uh, in that space. Where do you see the future of art going in Rockford? Well, that is a good question. Um, but actually, I, I will say on behalf of our art museum, that isn't a repurposed Sears store. So, I mean, we do do that here. And our beautiful Coronado Theater, which was actually a movie house, has been repurposed into a performing arts. So I don't want to also undermine the fact that we have done things like that here, but we have a lot more that we can do, you know. And uh, But as far as where the art, where art world is going, one thing that's really kind of good to see is that the art community here is becoming a lot more diverse, um, um, all kinds of age groups, uh, uh, just a, a little bit more uh, kind of interesting crowd of people. And because I think we've gone through sort of webs and, and, and tides and, and highs and lows with the art world actually just since we've been in business uh, and it's it's sometimes misunderstood here and not appreciated but it's also so important to the future of our city you know if, if we want to uh, you know keep Rockford vibrant 
it's through the arts and culture that you do that. And that's such an important part. And I think for the longest time, we didn't understand that. I still think a lot of our civic leaders don't get that either. I think uh, they think it, it's, it's about taxes and about uh, potholes and those kinds of things. And infrastructure and all that is very important. We aren't saying that, but that's not the only thing. You know, people don't choose cities because they don't have potholes. That's, that's not, or, the, or the cost of living. I mean, some of the, actually some cities that are very expensive to live in have attracted a lot of people to live there. I mean, look at Brooklyn. I mean, and, and, and actually companies want to go where there's a young, creative, you know, educated uh, workforce. And if we lose that here, it's also hard to attract companies here. But one of the reasons why people move to those places is because they have culture. And that's, that's such an important part. And I'm using the word broadly. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean just art and theater and all that, but it's this whole idea of history, a sense of place, uh, all of these, these things that make a city what it is. Because cities are basically bricks and mortar. They're, they're more so than people come and go, but the bricks and mortar stay. And uh, I think, you know, just 317 Market Street, for instance, there again, it's, uh, that's a bricks and mortar operation that has you know, brought a new energy to that space. And that, that had Deborah Newton, who was the founder of that, uh, who just recently passed away. She's a, a great lady and, and had a lot to do with, you know, influencing the arts, especially in downtown Rockford. And uh, she originally got that space and turned it into this kind of alternative art space. She was doing that just at the same time we were doing it in Charberg. And there are several other people doing things. And then it kind of slipped away. And now it's kind of coming back again. And it, it's great to see. But a lot of young people are getting involved in it. And that's most important. Anything we can do to encourage that is going to be to all of our benefit. You know, not, not just the artists themselves, but to the community in general. Well, Doc, you are the owner and co-operator of the J.R. Cortman Center for Design and the Cortman Gallery in downtown Rockford. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming in to the Register Star today and uh, for all of your work uh, supporting local arts, giving artists a place to exhibit and sell their work, and for uh, being a torchbearer in uh, teaching and educating our citizenry on how to appreciate and understand the arts and, the, and their importance in our community. So thank you so much for coming in to the Register Star today. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.